Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, welcome to this week's edition of Blues Talk. Again, John, Dave, and myself. We're going to look back over our fourth successive Pro 14 Championship victory over Munster last weekend. And, of course, look forward to our game against Toulon this Friday and all the other Champions Cup games. So, boys, uh, 16-6 against Munster last weekend. Um, you know, six all at half time. We kind of, uh, far by far the better team, but we weren't able to really put our possession and territory into points. No, we managed to keep them in. Um, we, made, we made a couple of mistakes um, in terms of, I mean, the, the, obviously the, the, the obvious one was um, uh, O'Loughlin uh, throwing the ball into touch, um, whether it was he mistimed the pass or Larmer mistimed the run, but whichever one it was, uh, timings were missed. Um, yeah, well, I'd suggest that that's probably true, all right. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, it was just it was just a forestalling of the inevitable, really. Um, you know, we never looked in any significant danger of, you know, not winning a canter. It's very hard to talk about the game because you come into these games and, and like a lot, a lot of the hype before the game was that Munster had turned the corner and narrowed the gap and all the other stuff. Um, which we, we didn't necessarily believe. We said it last week that it was, you know, a lot of it was wishful thinking. Um, but that kind of mindset pervades the, that, that creates the mindset going into a match. You go into the match and when the match is over, you went, huh, you know, and there was no corner turn. There were no gaps closed, um, either literally or metaphorically indeed. Um, and at the end of the day, it was handy. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to discuss the match without, discuss, you know, every pundit that discussed it in the aftermath seems to, or the few that I heard, seem to have uh, focused on Munster. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate because, like, there's a Leinster team winning a four in a row and nobody's jumping up and down and going, Jesus, these guys are amazing. They've just done a four in a row. People are either going, oh, it's a shit league, or Munster went up to the level or, you know what I mean? It's and it's all about how Munster did this and how Munster, you know, Munster were were muscular and committed in defence, but there was nothing going on. You know, Joey who? He didn't get the ball. He was targeted when he did, or he was targeted in, in attack as well by our guys running at him. And you know, it just they just didn't get into the game. Like they, they as I say, I don't think they were lacking in in passion and all that kind of stuff. But, they, they were just lacking in a plan, or if they had a plan, it was didn't, it didn't work out, and then there was no plan B. So, uh, yeah, it is. It's it's a tough one. Leicester were very good, and they squandered between three and five chances in the first half that could have had held them. up over the line twice. Yeah, and that that could have had them 20, 30 points ahead. You know, rather than ten. Um, Monster didn't look like interrupting that one-way traffic at any stage in the game, which is which is sad for the league, obviously sad for Munster, um, but it's even bad for Leinster. Like, I mean, because like I've just said, it's taken the kind of gloss off it. It's no, nobody's going, whoa, you guys are amazing. You've just won the league four times, which when people win for league four times, it's never been done before. No one's ever won the Pro, uh, pro 12, 13, 14, 17, ever. In the in in the history of it before, so you know that's that's a pity that uh, nobody else is is uh, being able to stay at the level. Uh, yeah. few, in the mid naughty or the mid teens, there was a few years of uh, when Leicester were having a bit of a dip, and Scarlets won it, Glasgow won it. Munster um, were in both of those finals. Connacht beat us in the final, um, but outside of that. It's been kind of one-way traffic. You have to go back to the Ospreys winning it twice 
and 10 and 12. Otherwise, it's just been Leicester, you know? So I actually, I went through. Of, so just to, just to finish off a point John, John was making, a lot of the narrative, like, you were, like John was saying, a lot of the narrative around the game was around uh, Munster's failings. But to a certain extent, that's like that old kind of joke about the newspaper editor when he says, when, when somebody brings him a story about a dog biting a man, he says, a dog biting a man isn't, sto- isn't a story. Bring me a story about a man biting a dog. Mm. You know, that's, that's a news yeah. story. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just think that, the, well, there's a couple of points. First of all, like all, a lot of the pundits, not all the pundits, but a lot of the pundits seem to back um, Munster. And as you said, Dave, maybe it's wishful thinking. Maybe it's they want to restore this rivalry between the, the two teams and it sells newspapers and gets people interested or reinvigorated in, in the rivalry, say. But like, there's just, there didn't seem to be a lot of evidence that that was going to happen. Sure, Munster had a good record, but like they lost um, three games during their regular, sorry, yeah, three games during the regular season. Two of which, sorry, two, sorry, they lost two games during the regular season. One was to Leinster, one was to Ulster. And then they lost in the final against Leinster. So like they lost three games all season. But two of them, as I said, were against Leinster. But my greater concern would be, like if you, I went back and I looked at how, the, how all four Irish teams did in both the league and the European Cup over the last 20 seasons. And then I just kind of looked at the last, you know, maybe say seven seasons. So we just look at the last seven or so seasons. Munster have been, um, sorry, yeah. Uh, so since since 2015, Munster have been in three semi-finals of the Heineken Cup. They've been in three uh, finals of the Pro 14 and three semi-finals. Leinster obviously have a mad record, like one Heineken Cup win, one once runners-up and two semi-finals of Europe. They've won the league four times, once runners-up and one semi-final. But I would be more concerned at Ulster. Um, like Ulster's record is absolutely atrocious. In that time, they've been in two quarter-finals of Europe. They didn't qualify to get out of their pool five times, and they were in one Pro 14 final and three semi-finals, which is, you know what I mean, for, for a club that's, and then Connacht, sorry, Connacht have won the thing once and didn't even get, haven't got out of their pool ever in Europe and have, haven't, I think they've got to a quarterfinal of the mm-hmm. Pro 14 once or a playoff game as it was. So like, it's, the, it's you know, like so there's a lot of kind of people have been beaten up on Munster over the last and saying, oh, well, they can't compete with Leinster. But what they are is they're the best of the rest. And like, you know, we can kind of say, oh, Ulster are big, big rivals. Ulster aren't. Ulster, if you look at, as I said, the results over the last seven seasons, Ulster have been performing abysmally. Munster have probably been overachieving for the for the standard of where they are. I mean, if you just compare our side that went out on Saturday, compare that to Munster, like there's no comparison. They're the only player that could possibly have got into the into the Leinster team for Munster's team on their performance last weekend was Gavin Coombs. That's the only guy. Maybe you might make, a, you might make a, co- a case for Casey getting on because he came on and played really well. But not he, one he, other player that came. Was, he was rubbish when he came on. Casey was headless. Casey, I know. Yeah, I don't think so. rubbish when he came on. I, I, I just think his passing was so crisp, Dave. Look yeah, at his passing. Was crisp, absolutely, the thing is he was passing to the wrong man but, every time. But my point, right, right, okay, you can get down. You can get down in semantics over. But my point fundamentally is. That Munster's side, not like regardless of whether you can look at them in paper and compare them, they had no like their front row is not stand like it's not going to ever compete. Of Cronin, Niall Scanlon, and John Ryan are not going to take on Healy, Kelleher, and Porter and Furlong coming off the bench. You looked at the bench, two benches. The only guy of threat on their bet on their bench was was either Casey or Kilcoyne. The rest of them are you know fairly bog standard. Pro 14 players. And like, as I was saying, that they're, they've actually overachieved for the quality of the players within their team compared to the guys that are on the Leinster team. Like we were able to bring Sexton and Furlong off the bench with uh, Ryan Baird and they didn't even use Lowe. Well, the, so the, that, that kind of ties back into, I mean, it, it's interesting you say, and you compare Munster's performance and you say that they've done much better than say Ulster and Connacht. Of course, They've had probably double the investment in them than Munster and than Ulster and Connacht. Yeah, 
in the last well, not necessarily so 2015 they certainly have to you go back to when when Ulster were getting all these South African guys in, they got to a one pro. How many have they had? So, I mean, we're talking since 2015, oh, Jason. Oh, yeah. How many okay, have they had since 2015? One. That's fine. That's, that's fine. But um, and they haven't had their stadium debt written off. They haven't had. Well, uh, well, so, no, so the British government built them the stadium debt. Yeah, well, so. that's, that's good for them. British government would have built one for Munster as well if they hadn't been such rebels. No, no, no I'm, just saying that, I'm just saying that, like, Ulster have. Yeah. Ulster, like, this isn't really. Not, I'm just trying to make the point that Munster have, are, have been beaten up for lots of different reasons. But the reality of it is that they've actually overachieved for the quality of the players within their side. Like, you know, they, they signed two World Cup winners. One guy lasted seven minutes. I mean, what can you do if the guy does his cruciate ligament? Like, you can't do anything about it. The other guy didn't really particularly perform. But I'd really... Like, if anyone who's ever played rugby knows that the backs can't do anything if they don't get any ball. Like, they didn't... Munster hardly got in. I, I mean, I can remember... I can't actually remember. Um, and I was making a note of it during the game that they had, they never they never actually got into R22. Now, they might have been in there for a couple of uh, seconds, but they had no prolonged period of, of possession in R22. And if you can't do that, you ain't ever going to score. No, I, I, I agree with you entirely. Um, and that's to a certain extent. I mean, why did Munster sign a, a, a second row and a and, and a centre? They didn't need that. What they needed was well, maybe the second row they needed, but they needed a prop more. Yeah, they've gone out and they've signed. And they've, gone out, they've gone out and they've signed another kind of five slash six. They don't need a five slash six. They need a prop more. I mean, historically they've signed. They've had they've had more centres than 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 Steve Coppel. and you know they don't need them. They need. Forwards win match. I, I, it's the idea of having to say this in, in the context of what Munster don't realize. And our is, viewer knows this anyway. Yeah, but but the idea that Munster that that people in Munster don't realize the benefit of having a strong pack is ridiculous. But they don't appear to realize it. Um, well, you would think that they would for yeah. the tradition of Munster, like you know, like Leinster try and and use the ball and 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 but you can't do like you can't you use know, ball you don't have. Correct. And, you know, we kind of maybe, maybe we learned it the hard way in the early noughties by our pack not necessarily being competitive enough. And you could see that in even the Irish selection, where it was pretty much one to ten mm-hmm. was monster guys, you know. And like Leinster clearly suffered because of that, because our pack wasn't as good as the Munster international pack. Yeah. And, and it brings up, it brings up the, other, the other issue. Um, what did Munster do to replace those guys? And the answer is very little. I remember saying in, you know, in the in the mid in the mid noughties, when Munster were telling, or Munster supporters were telling us that our reliance on the school system was was why we were so poor, um, that schools will never produce players of a sufficient standard to, to win a Heineken Cup like their AIL players did. Yeah. Um, and and they were completely wrong. Yeah, agreed. But you know the one thing that youth I, that players, I, whether it's schools or youths, it's youth players, not not senior AIL rugby. It's youth youth structures win will win provinces games. But one thing that really always just strikes me is like if Leinster, have, for example, Leinster have two the the Irish currently the two centres from the Irish team, like they did for fifteen years previously. And it always sort of strikes me is okay. So to say there's a really good kid and he's playing first, just for argument's sake, say Blackrock, and there's another kid playing for St. Michael's. And Leinster are looking and they're going, okay, well, which one are we going to bring into our academy? And they say, well, you know, we can't bring all the centres in because we've only got a limited number of spots to bring them through. Why aren't other, whether it's in Ireland or teams in the UK or even France, not going to those kids and saying, look, you're the second best schoolboy centre in Leinster, but unfortunately, the best one is going to be picked up and go to the Leinster camp. But we will give you a senior contract in two years if you come true, and you know, make it encouraging for them to come and, and join, whether it's Connacht, Munster, Ulster, or somewhere in the UK. Hmm? I think I, 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 a thing that happens there. The first is the young guys don't want to go anywhere except Leinster. They're all some of them are prepared to wait it out 
maybe do Sub Academy and see if that, that works for them, or do AIL and see if that works for them, like it did for Joey Carberry and one or two others. Um, then there's the element of where, um, because Lensfair perceived has been so good at picking up talent, that if they don't sign a guy, all the other clubs are going, well, what's wrong with him? Why didn't Lensfair pick him up? Why did they pick the other guy? What did they see wrong with him? Which is a crazy thing. And eventually it'll sort itself out. But no, I, I agree. I mean, there's an excess of players been produced in the province um, that, you know, could go or elsewhere. But with the exception of Ulster picking up guys, I don't see any of the others. Or maybe Connacht to a certain extent. I mean, Connacht picked up, for example, Charlie Ward out of Tullow. Um, but they pick up guys who are kind of AIL standard and they almost, you know, I hate using the word, but almost money ball, like that they kind of go and they find guys that didn't quite make it. Or yeah. even, you know, Gavin Thornbury, for example, I think he's a great example. He kind of, he was in the Leinster Academy. He got injured, didn't work out for him. It was kind of a... Um, you know, the, the likes of uh, was guys in front of him at Leinster. He, he what else did he do? He, he went over and he, he was in, uh, he went to New Zealand, played there for a few seasons, came home, got a gig in Connacht. Or even, you know, you know, uh, uh, Ty Byrne, you know, like he was delivering pizzas because yeah. it didn't work out for him. And, and, and uh, Scarlet, I think they, I, I don't know the exact money and I don't like quoting how much someone's paid, but a very limited uh, contract. And he, he, you know, he, he took it and took a chance and he backed himself and he went over to Wales and it's really worked out for him. You know what I mean? He's, he's managed to come home. Maybe not, maybe like it's all boys uh, dream to play for the club that they, from the, from the camp, from the province that they're from, but it might not always work out that way, but he's yeah. playing professional yeah. rugby in Ireland. And he's, you know, potentially going on the Lions tour and had a great Six Nations because he took a chance and he backed himself and yeah. took a pretty crap contract and went to Wales and, and it worked out brilliantly for him. And himself and Thornbury were in the academy at the same time too, uh, which is interesting. Mm. Uh, that They were literally, I'm not sure if they're in the exact same year, but they were definitely probably a year apart, if not. Yeah, I think they were. So yeah, I, I think the problem the Leinster, Leinster operated in, in a slightly more rarefied atmosphere than the other provinces do, um, and they're comparable to in any sport. It doesn't matter. Pick a sport: basketball. The top basketball clubs in America, the top uh, franchises, they're not interested in a guy who might be a light, late developer, like say Byrne or Thornbury. Yeah. They want a guy who's able to produce now. And that's what Leinster, are, are, they need a guy who's able to produce now. And we have the choice to pick the guy who's able to produce now. You know, they're able to say, okay, we're not going to wait for, and it's a bad example to use because he's such a good player, but we're not going to wait for Ty Byrne to mature because we've got Ryan Baird who's ready now. Correct. You know, and that's, yeah. that's so it's always, I mean, I, and I'm not saying that this is the point no. you're making, but I mean, there has been some criticism of Leinster over the fact that they released Byrne, the fact that they released Thornbury. Leinster don't care because they've got James Ryan. They, 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 they have somebody there. Yeah. But for clubs that are struggling, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. But, but like we're, we're talking about Munster, and Munster not being able to tap in. I mean, like the recession has a lot to, to, to be blamed for. Don't forget there's clubs that can't feel second, mm. second teams. And that really hasn't recovered because lots of the youth of, of Ireland moved away from rural towns um, whether it was to Dublin or to London or New York or somewhere, but somewhere out of rural Ireland and the clubs were decimated by it. And they don't have the playing population and numbers that they did pre, say, 2008. And like, that's a, a significant factor as well that needs to be. So if they, if they don't have their strong club base as, as they built that team in the noughties for then they have to be sort of more creative and think instead of thinking, well, sure, that's the way we've always done it. Shall we keep going? I think what they really need to do is get their youth structures in place um, properly. Now they're starting to come through. Now you see, you see young guys like Thomas O'Hearn and guys like that, Craig Casey, Healy, and they're starting to come through. But those are the first, because for a long time, I mean, I remember at one point the IRFU had to step in and take over running of the Munster Academy because it was, it just wasn't functioning right. So they're, they are behind the eight ball compared to Leinster or compared even to Connacht. Connacht have been very inventive with both because they have a limited number of schools. So they've had to be very inventive in, within club rugby and attracting guys like, like uh, uh, Tom Farrell, Tom Daly, other guys like that. Um, 
in, into their system. And Munster have always seen, well, we don't have to do that because we're Munster. But everyone has to do it to a certain extent. I mean, I'd have no problem Leinster picking up a guy if, if, if they thought he was the right guy from uh, who'd fallen out the back of the Connacht Academy. You get your players where you can get them if they're the right players for you. Correct. Like, I mean, look, for your example is, is Henshaw, do you know, who was... Yeah who's playing the, the, the form of his life. He kind of, you know, went, came through the, the whole system over in Connacht mm. and, you know, Leinster picked him up. I'm sure he wanted to win things and Leinster picked him up. But like, sorry, I don't, and I don't want to labor on the whole Munster thing, but like they signed this guy Jenkins. They had Snyman there. Okay. I mean, you can kind of say, well, you've got a world cup winner. That should be a given. And why not keep him? Absolutely. But then you've got John Klein. So essentially they've got, Three second rows. So what's that saying to Tomás Ahern? Like Lenser. Well, maybe so. But but the point is though that like if you look at Ryan Blair, like this time last year, just before lockdown, he scored a hat trick. He kind of burst onto the Leinster scene, scored a hat trick in the match against Glasgow, and and you know, uh, twelve months later, he's in the twenty-three for Ireland. Whereas Tomás Ahern is getting bit parts in matches against. Ospreys and Benetton, you know, when when really he should be starting, you know, you know the fact that he ain't going to be any, well, I'm, I'm fairly certain he's not going to be starting tomorrow, or sorry, on Saturday when they play Toulouse, whereas Ryan, Ble- Ryan Baird is starting for Leinster t- tomorrow, on Friday against Toulon, do you know what I mean, like, you take, you take Craig Casey, he's still on the bench for Munster, when they had Matheson there for you know an indefinite extension of period of uh, of um, of contracts, you know instead of giving an attic ladder, yeah, and like you know if you've got a if you've got an all black, you're going to use them, but they should have been told no, you can't. You have to bring through Craig Casey, and you have to make sure, and he should be now neck and neck with uh, with Murray. Instead, Murray's still in the box position and Casey is still learning his trade. I mean, if you add up the amount of minutes that Craig Casey's played of senior rugby, I'm sure it's very, very few because he was stuck behind, you know, an all-black for as their reserve or backup when, when Murray was away or injured. I, I will say about Craig Casey, he's actually really unfortunate that he comes into a situation where Ireland are... Okay, you might, we mightn't have many brilliant scrum halves, but we have a lot of very functional ones. So there isn't even a spot for him to move to in other provinces because yeah. Connacht have Marmion and Blade, Ulster have uh, Cooney and uh, uh, Shanahan and, you know, whoever else. Leinster have a, have a couple of good guys as well. So he's actually very unfortunate in terms of, you know, he's not getting a game at Munster. And yet, despite all his talent and, and, and how how... How much a Leinster were apparently in from a couple of years ago, blah blah blah, whatever. But um, there's nowhere for him to go. Yeah, but the only thing is, he's probably seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel with Murray, insofar as Murray's what 31, 32. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, whereas if he comes to Leinster, he's looking at Luke, uh, Luke McGrath. I mean, how old yeah. is he? 26, 27, and uh, Gibson uh, Park is probably similar, yeah. similar sort of vintage. So you know, Gibson Park. He's 29. Think so, yeah. But he's still, they're still young enough. I mean, I mean, yeah. it, it, it'd be the worst look for Craig Casey if um, the guy who had learned most from uh, Albie Matheson was 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 Connor Murray in terms of career prolongation. Well, look, lads, we've kind of we've lingered a lot on Munster. I just let's try and move back to, to Leinster. Like we know, obviously, yeah, we're we know kind of, we know why we won the game, but really, I mean, it's it's fascinating to see the evolution of Leinster over those. Like even going back, I kind of used it was my bench. The benchmark um, six or seven years ago. Like I just look back and to say the Leinster team that were beaten by Connacht in that final in, in Edinburgh in 2016. Do you know there's, there's five starters remaining from that team in, within the whole squad? There's Ross Maloney, uh, Ruddock, Sexton, Ringrose, and Dave Carney from the starting 15 are still in the club. So we've lost 10 of the starting 15 from that game five years ago. 10 have moved on. And in our, on our bench, we had five of our, of our bench players are still here. So in total, 13 of the 23 are gone. You know, so there's this, 
continuous, like if you if you kind of aren't performing or if you're if there's a better guy out there, we're getting them. So if, you know what I mean? Like some guys are obviously getting old, got old, but like they're you know they kind of they kind of make sure that they want the best all the time, mm. and there's no mm-hmm. one just kind of lingering. Like for example, we mentioned all those South African guys. I know I want to go back to Munster just for one brief moment, but like Billy Holland, like really does it matter if he gets 250 or 290 Munster caps? Like, do you know what I mean? Why isn't, why is he still continually being picked when they have youthful players there? Why he might be continually picked. And I don't know, I don't see Munster training, but maybe he's a better player in training than Thomas O'Hearn. Yeah. Maybe he is. It wouldn't, maybe, it wouldn't be the first is. time. It wouldn't be the first time that a young fella has come in with a big reputation and thought he was Billy Big Bollocks. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. True. That could well be the I mean, case. Coach, coaches will pick players that help them win. Yeah. I mean, Van Graan isn't picking Billy Holland because Andy Farrell wants him to for Ireland. You know, mm. there has to be questions there as well. Now, in fairness, about temperament and the professional well, life. That, that, that could well be the case. And like as you say, we don't see um, training or playing. But we have, like, from I what I've seen, what, what we've up. all seen of Tomas Ahern playing for, um, whether it was the yeah. Ireland number 20s or his very brief appearances for Munster, he's a super player. Mm. Like, he, he got man of the match on his, on his, on, on the game against uh, Treviso a few weeks ago. You know, I've seen him, he got, he looked like a guy that was, would be very adept at playing in the centre when he was playing for the under 20s. He had the hands in the pace for it. Um, yeah. Okay, we're not talking about Thomas Ahern anymore. But no, um, no. So what I mean, what I would say is, coaches don't pick players based on what they do in matches. They pick them based on what they do in training. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, agree with you. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about the game anyway. Um, and some of the lads, like you know, it, it could it could have been a, a bloodbath. If our passes had have stuck, yeah. Um, as you said, we were we held them up over the line to, or sorry, we, we were held up over the line. But like our relentlessness, do you remember one stage, kind of the latter half of the second half, they were stuck in their twenty-two, and our relentless defence of pressurising them. And I can remember Hugo Keenan, like almost Superman-like, flying through the air to make a tackle on. I think it was. Um, Healy and just stopped him in his tracks. Yeah. You know, like it was do you know what I mean? There was no resting on on laurels thinking, oh, this is we we'll, we'll win with the better players. Like they have a serious work ethic that they are prepared to make um, you know, serious sacrifices yeah. to get yeah. the job done. Well, like Rob, Robbie Henry did come out of a six nations where he, you know. His name was mentioned in the dispatches for player of the tournament. He was certainly man of the match, in my opinion, against England. Um, I came into that Leinster game, and at one point I text, I think I texted you guys and said, just how many Robbie Henshaws are there out there? Yeah. You know, because his work rate, and it was the same if it was Josh van der Fleer, it was the same for all of them. The work rate of the guys uh, on the pitch was just unbelievable. There was no there was no let-up in intensity. There was no way that Munster were going to get anything. I mean, even the six points they did get, they were... Oh, so silly. I mean, uh, Larmer made a very basic error. You know, it was a mistake, but it was still a, we gave away soft, two soft penalties and that was it. Two, yeah. I, I think coach can live with two soft penalties over 80 minutes because yeah. we didn't make those mistakes again. You know, it was just, it was really unrelenting, uh, unremitting hardship for Munster to even carry the ball. Yeah. And like, you know, there was, I just thought as well that the, the coach's psychological approach to picking the team was superb. Like they rested the guys that had mileage on the clock from, from the Six Nations. We could see how physically shattered and exhausted and emotionally exhausted Munster guys, CJ, um, and particularly Ty Byrne. I mean, he looks out on his feet at that. At the, at the very end of the game, whereas we kind of thought, well, or the Leinster coaches thought, Furlong has only been back with, you know, he played two matches, but he hadn't played in a year. He might be suffering a bit, so they rested him. Sexton had played three matches, which is a lot for him. 
coming to where he is in his in his you know career life cycle. And then you had you know you rewarded fellas like um, you know um, Dave Carney instead of just bringing back it was the simplest thing in the world to say oh you know give James Lowe the opportunity to um, you know make amends for his poor form in the, in the Irish jersey. But no, they didn't. They stuck with someone like Dave Carney, who had scored, I think I said it last week, 10 tries in 15 games this season, you know. And, 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 and in fairness, James Lowe doesn't actually need to be on the pitch to really piss off Munster. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, True enough. I think we all kind of called it in the last couple of weeks that this is what they were going to do, stack the bench with the high minutes, guys. Uh, because if we are, if we were getting... Our asses handed to us, and you know, on sixty minutes they could troop all those lads on and put Munster back in their place. As it turns out, we weren't. Um, but it it does also illustrate, like Munster, apart from Snayman, most Munster were playing their best team. If he hadn't have been injured, they would have had their best possible team of the season out there. Kilcoin would have been the other. Kilcoin would have started, but he was on the bench. On the bench, you know? yeah. So he was in the 23. Um, so, you know, they need all their top guys to be even at the races. Yeah. Where you can kind of put, like we've, the back rows were missing alone. Dan Levy, Caelan uh, Doris, we're missing James Ryan, we're missing Max Deegan. We're, you know, we're missing, like, ridiculous. Scott Penny out. Um, there's another one as well, just out of the back row. Who was it? Uh, Anyway, a, a lot of guys missing. And Will Connors. Will Connors, that's who I was thinking of. Um, so there's a lot of guys missing, and we still managed to rest, if you want to use that word, uh, Sexton, Furlong, and James Lowe. Um, that says everything you need to know, and they're coming back in. We, we have the perfect strategy where they're coming back in this week, and the other guys are getting a bit of a layoff. Um we haven't quite progressed to talk about Toulon yet, but you know, whoever's out there and from one to eight is going to earn their core uh, this week, trying to keep those lads at bay. Um, and whoever's behind, like Sexton, is probably going to be uh, moving them around the pitch a lot. Well, I mean, going back to what you're saying about you know the the, the squad, so it, it kind of it validates it, it proves the concept that that I mean, we spend all year going, oh, aren't we great? Don't we have a great big squad? Um, but when you go out and win a trophy by using all of them and, and not instantly dropping in all the internationals when they come back by sticking with the guys who got you to the final in, in, in large part, it does validate that. You do have a great big squad. You are great. And, and it, would, it would be interesting to see what the Munster squad, what the Munster 23 was like the, the night before we played England. You know what I mean? Where, like I'd say there was very few fellas playing in that match once, as you say, once the internet, once the internationals are, are plugged back in, I mean, obviously they're going to have fellas that they don't have internationals in that position. But undoubtedly, every single once there's an international, he comes straight back into that squad. So that kind of gives a very negative message that there's enough in them, in 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 the squad that there's the internationals who are guaranteed their place, and then there's the. The rest of it. I, I, I think that's kind of the, there is a cultural thing in Munster. Like, I mean, we've heard Donico Callahan speak about it that there's not this kind of I'm just holding the jersey for the next guy and I'll pass it on mm -hmm. in a better condition than I got it in. He, the Munster attitude, certainly when he was coming through, was you'll drag this jersey out of my cold, dead hand, motherfucker. That's their attitude that, that, that it's a real fight for the jersey. Now, there can be positives to that as well, you know, yeah. but um, I, I don't think that the whole plugging the international straight in is the massive confidence destroyer within yeah. the Munster culture than it would, might be in Leinster, for example. Yeah, but it's a different generation now. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is. People are, might be a little bit more sensitive than they were 20 years ago. Are you, call, are you calling Munster snowflakes, Jason? I wouldn't. How dare you say that? I take <laughs> great <laughs> offence. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but like you look at the stats, like the stats reflect what actually happened rather than the, the actual final score. You know, we had 64% possession, 71% territory. We had 10 clean breaks compared to their one. We, we, did, we beat 35 defenders and they missed 35 tackles. Like, 
you know, when you're when when you're missing more than ten, you're in trouble. Now we missed, yeah. we did miss ten tackles, but we missed thirty five. Wasn't it, wasn't eleven the magic number for Eddie O'Sullivan? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, say, if you've missed more than eleven tackles, you've lost. I'd say there could have been players that missed more than eleven tackles. <laughs> could have been. Yeah, and some days it was, but um, yeah. yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it, I mean, it was to a certain extent as a Leinster supporter, it was kind of the perfect storm for us, um, because even even the press build up had taken the pressure off the team. Um, in terms of, you know, okay, they're going for six in a row, but that's not what they're talking about. They're going for four in a row, but that's not what they're talking about. Talking about something else, so that takes all the pre- whatever pressure there might be on the team that takes it off. Then you've got guys coming back from the Ireland camp in good form because of the England result. You've got guys who were in the Leinster camp who got us to this position, so they were, they were feeling good about themselves. It was a good place to be, that Leinster squad. Mm. Yeah, well... They certainly rewarded themselves with the fourth title in four years. It's pretty, as John said, it's... Good to see Chrissy Benty getting his trophy lift. Yeah, fantastic. But I hope that's yeah. not a... I hope that's not him. I hope that was in regard of his record cap appearance. Yeah. Uh, or his, his, his contribution and Dev's contribution. And not in terms of you're off, but it might be. Mm. Yeah. It's, looking, it's looking dodgy for Ben, uh, ben and Dev. Um, like Scott Fardy's definitely off. No. So if you if you see that uh, if you see those three together lifting the trophy, it's a fair bet. Uh, I heard Dev Toner interviewed there a while ago, and he was saying that it's up in the air, and that he's. I think he wants another year. You, you De- definitely does. I, I heard him interviewed with um, Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Um, I'm talking to you. Yeah, and yeah. like he they like I think they're mates, and he was wearing your t-shirt, Dave. And yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, he he said, look. Says, you know what's the crack with your with your uh, contract? And he says, "Well, it's up, but I want. I'm happy to pay another year, if not two. Yeah. So, I I think it all, it all comes down to what Leinster are prepared to pay him, or if they're prepared to what they can him. afford to pay him. Yeah. I think if if he gets a if he gets a two year deal like other players like Nathan Hines, for example, if he gets a two, I think Nathan Hines got a three year deal in the IRFU were offering him one. I think if the IRFU come with a low ball. Uh, via Lencer with a low ball one year for Dev, he might get a two year elsewhere and go, Right, I'm off. That's my pension paid for. Mm. Um, but I think he wants to stay. But you know, if, if they if they give him, don't give him what he's worth, and he's worth plenty. I don't think there's too many pension paying contracts going around at the moment. No, but outside of Japan, there's still going to be a lot better than a low ball IRA if you offer, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um. It's I mean, an he, still, he still has it. I mean, that that pickup he did from around his ankles in the second half. Oh, great hands! I mean, unbelievable. He always had. I mean, he has oh. great hands, and they're huge. But uh, it, it, they're they're soft as well. Yeah. Do you remember the little um, offload he gave? I think to Luke Fitzgerald. Bath in, in the Aviva. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, Joe Gray, and and he was say, he certainly hadn't become the Leinster leading. Um, Caps earner back then, like that was probably close to ten years ago. I'd say that game. No, maybe nine time, years. I think it was two thousand and twelve. So January twelve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So good few years ago. Anyway, you know, so he was still a quite a novice, I suppose, back in the in the team back then. Anyway, lads, um, we we take on to Toulon on uh, on tomorrow and. Uh, because we report it's this, very it's very inconsiderate of the EPCR or whatever they're called these days to have Leinster and Munster playing the sailors' trousers uh, to loosen too long um, mm. on the same weekend because it's just going to lead to confusion. It is, it is. But we made four changes to the team. We got the team in, not in advance, but in advance of recording this. So um, they made four changes to bring him back in: Furlong, Baird, Sexton, and Lowe. And um, you know it's good to kind of get bring those guys in. Like that certainly, uh, you know. I think I feel kind of sorry for Porter because he's he's having a, probably his best season so far. And you know, Furlong is just back from a year's absence, and he's playing brilliantly as well. And uh, I think yeah, uh, I think Porter get plenty of game time all the same on Saturday on tomorrow night, Friday night, depending when yeah. you watch this. I, I, I think he will get or has got or may have gotten or will have might have gotten 
uh, plenty of game time anyway because just the nature of the modern game you know he he got the start on it's like it's like we used to say about Cheka, you know every player plays 80 minutes or not check about schmidt the two of them get to play 80 minutes over two weeks yes mm-hmm. yeah uh, it was oh. interesting I, I sorry i i heard uh, i heard lancaster been interviewed and like he name checked like in, in the kind of the news bulletin you get this snippet for probably 15 seconds. He name-checked Saracens twice. Um, Pro 14, done and dust, happy to win it. But our focus is on Europe now. I'm making uh, amends or retribution for losing those two matches against Saracens. And we have never beaten um, Toulon in the, th- in the three or four, four actually, appearance uh appearances we've had against them we've never beaten them so you know he's kind of he's certainly fairly motivated to uh to win this game I, I, ironically the most criticism for is the closest we got which was the the semi-final extra time that was the closest we got to them all the other times it's been fairly arm's length stuff uh, yeah, very different not that team anymore no i have a look at the team they've still got some tasty oh, yeah. players oh, like, yeah. and they, they picked they picked a lot of their stars. I thought they were going to, because of where they are in the league, like they're not dog fighting to stay up. They're mid-table, they're seventh. They're kind of equal sixth, really. And, you know, Asien are almost, well, sorry, are, are guaranteed to be relegated. They've played 20 games and lost 20 games. So, you know, they're going down anyway. And um, so they're kind of, mid-table mediocrity, but I wasn't sure what sort of game, or sorry, what wasn't sure what sort of um, team they were going to select, but they picked the team that includes six in, six French internationals, an Italian, a South African, a Fijian, and a Georgian. So pretty, you know, they are a pretty strong outfit. They're not, they didn't send over there. As far as name the Fijian and the Georgian, Jason. I can't even pronounce the, the French players' names. I'm just, I'm just, as I said to a friend of mine, it looks like somebody, when he was typing up the team sheet, just leant on the keyboard <laughs> and these letters, random letters came through. Uh, can't interpret them. You've no frame of reference, Jason. That's it. That's it. But, um, I'm, just looking at, I'm just looking at the, uh, the back five of their pack. Guess who the shortest player in the back five of their pack is? Would he be a particular favourite of mine by any chance? Jason? <laughs> uh, yes. And I could add short arse to the list. <laughs> he's six foot five. Um, you know, the Evan Etzebet is six foot eight. Um, Roman Tayofuk, we don't have a Jason's mate, is, yeah. uh, is um, six foot six, six foot seven, sorry. Uh, the other back row is six foot eight. Olivon, the number seven. Is two million, you know, six foot six. Like they are all six foot six, seven, and eight, apart from Parise. Like they're fucking huge lads. They're they don't do them much good when they're breathing out their arseholes after half an hour of been run around by Johnny Sexton. It absolutely won't, but they are big. You've still got it. But they're a huge team. You've just still got to tackle them. And they're even the front row large team. The front row who are not tall uh, are all cubic. Like they're all they're all cubes of meat, basically. So, Jesus, don't don't scrum them or, or maul them too much. But on the other hand, their their fullbacks five foot six, and their backline is piss. Like <laughs> the backline is horrendous. They've no ten. Their nine is a great player. Their nine yes, is that's very very good. The nine is a and, great player. And Rudy Wolf, in fairness, at, at thirteen, has been a very good player for a very long time. Maybe yeah. never, like quite at that top level. He's been a very good player for a very long time. The guy is 59. Like, of course, you know, he's, he's a fabulous player in his day, but I would suggest... What, 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 I, what I want to see is is, is, is Jason sees the substitution come up and tell people who is coming off. And then he sees he's coming on because he hasn't noticed the other substitution. Tell yeah. people who comes on. <laughs> two of them, Jay. I know, yeah. And they're both no, they'll be They'll be like Jack Charlton, Dave. They'll be just numbers. <laughs> Yeah, the big number 13, lad. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, they're not quite the team of all the ta- talents that they were at their peak. I mean, like you were saying that um, you're not, you weren't quite sure what they were going to do in terms of selection. 
my thinking was that Toulon have had the taste of Europe. You know, they've won their Heineken Cups. That means they're, they'll always kind of go for it in that competition because they know what it's like. They know how good it is. So um, I, 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 I always thought that they would pick the strongest team available. Uh, Man Anu, of course, is out with a ban. Yep. They've got a couple of injuries as well. And they're, I think they're, I think that guy is their third or fourth choice uh, out yeah. half. He hasn't played like, out half since he was in the, I think he's Australian, isn't he? Australian yeah, number 20s. Australian, yeah. yeah. Well, like that's a bit scary having an out half that hasn't played since he was, you know, under 15s. Um, they, they've also, like, man, I know even if he was available, phenomenal player. Mm. But, Again, he's 56. Like, you know, he's... he's yeah. But he's, I would have concerns with him running down the channel of Rory O'Loughlin and sure. uh, James Lowe. Like, and so I'm glad he's not playing. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Um, well, he's very disappointed not to be able to play either, Jason. I mean, he was... I mean, he's, he, he'd heard that we were introducing age-graded vaccines and he reckoned he'd be able to get one soon enough at his age. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And Parisi as well, like, he's 38. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I mean, I, I know my opinion of Parisi is well known, but the problem with him is, you know, he could decide to show up. Yeah. And if he does, he's forgotten more about back row play and forward play than most have ever learnt. But I'm, I'm not too exercised over that happening. Could be wrong. Down yeah. Well, we've we plenty of motivation in that it's, we've never beaten him. We've played for yeah. a lot for, so, you know. And there's a lot of guys in that team who would have lost all four games. Mm, yeah, a few sure. guys there who've lost all four games. You know, Dev, Keen Healy, you know, big guys who would be big voices in the dressing room. Actually, Sexton was away for some of those games. Sexton was away for some of them. Yeah, he was away for the the. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah, Ruddock maybe was even. Yeah. Yeah. So look, look, it should be good. But like you know, their form isn't great. I think they've lost two of their last three. They were beaten by Leon last weekend. They were fairly stunked, fifty four sixteen. But. I'm guessing that they would have had a lot of their French lads missing because of the Scotland game, you know. Um, they beat Racing, and they were beaten by Bayonne in their other in their third last match. So, like their form is tip top. Everybody think like looking at the top fourteen this year. We don't get to see a whole lot of it because it's not been carried. But looking at the top fourteen results this year, um, beating someone somewhere isn't a big thing this year. It's happening all the time. People say, oh, Toulon, are, Toulon must be careful. They beat Racing in La Défense. Montpellier beat Clermont in the Stade Marcel Michelin. Everyone is beating everyone, everywhere, because of this bonkers season. Yeah. Oh, Manchester beat Clermont. And... Sorry, John? I was just saying, home advantage doesn't carry the weight that it did when there were crowds. And in mm-hmm. France perhaps a bit more than because it was so um so what's the word i'm looking for intense the right the you know the playing for your cluck whatever the hell the expression is your clutch art or your club yeah. anyway it's the bells of your local cathedral or whatever the hell but playing for your local team was is such a big thing and people always get up for their home games in front of their home fans more so than any other rugby country and that's why you know away wins were always scarce and and, and teams that went on the road were, were often not the best players uh, but now with the lack of fans uh, it's it, you know French rugby has you know like you say Dave you can win anywhere now um, so hopefully and, and in fairness Toulon would have been ones that booked their that trend always anyway they were kind of a had a different mindset to French teams about playing away, especially when they're in their pomp. But one, one other thing about Toulon, they always signed guys right at the top of their career, uh, like the Johnny Wilkinsons, just after he retired internationally, uh, like the Man Anus, like, the, like they always, they didn't hire guys they were going to get 10 years out of. They hired guys that were going to get two or three really, 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 really good years out of. And then... But now they seem to be like a lot of them in their, in their late thirties. Parise, Nanu, Wolf, like they're all older than most when most rugby players retire. Mm. Um, so, didn't your man sell it? Didn't he? The the comic. Yeah, he, sold yeah. it to its, he, he sold it to itself. If yeah, you like, yeah. he sold the club to itself. 
Um, it's two years gone, I think. Yeah, he he, he wanted to. I mean, it, it, his goal was always that the club be self-financing. And actually, fair in fairness, he reached that goal before they played us the first time. That the club was actually self-financing because, like you were, like when you were over there, Jay, you saw all the commercial activities that went on. You went yeah. to every shop there; they were selling stuff. You know, there were the, the commercial side was was bang on. Yeah. Um, and then he just stayed for a bit to ensure that things, and then and then left. You know, mm-hmm. walked away from his childhood club. But I think he he he, he considered to have done. I mean, the man's quite mad. Yeah. But we'd all That's like somebody that mad to who loved who was that mad in favor of our club. Of course. But like I remember meeting a guy in a bar over there, and he said, he said, like, you have to remember there's we've nothing, like there was not there's nothing here. We have three things. He said, we have the navy, the sea, and the sunshine. No, sorry, he said, we have the navy, the sunshine, and the rugby club. That's the only thing this place has going for it. Because Said so you go up the coast and they've got, you know, fancy hotels and, you know, Monte Carlo or, uh, you know, yachts and uh, like wealth. Of, uh, he was saying there's nothing really here. It's kind of forgotten. And, and your man brought this pride back into the town with the rugby club. And we could see that in like, do you remember just even the adulation that the play, that the fans had for when I think they it, was it Backy's boat to walk through the crowd with carrying the American Cup? Like it was, it was a pretty special kind of atmosphere to see the whole town come out to support their club. Like it meant a lot to the people there. And yeah. so for your man to have done that, to brought his, to brought it from being a Pro D2 team that was languishing down there to kind of, you know, win three Heineken Cups in a row. Now, obviously... Like I, you know, again, I just thought this is a mercenary team that the players don't have any love for the club and the club don't have any love for them. They just kind of do their job and off you go. But that was quite, I was quite surprised and shocked and actually quite gladdened to see that I was wrong because, you know, the players were loved by the fans and the the fans clearly loved the fact that they were being adored by these lunatic fans. Yeah, it was. It, it, I, I would always say to anyone who was on the, the the Toulon mercenary bandwagon to go to Toulon, and you'll see how completely different it is. Yeah, definitely. Or it's like saying if you're walking down the road in Limerick, you know. <laughs> but that, but that's also true, Jay. I mean, people have. No, it is uh, a, I'm joking. I, oh, I know. But people do have perceptions about Cork or Limerick or whatever. Um, but and. But you go down to Limerick on a rugby weekend or you go into the bars there and the crack is just unbelievable. And it's, it, it is a great trip. It's one, it is one of the great trips in, in European rugby. There's no question of it. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, they take on a replay of the 2008 final. Toulouse, uh, um, you know, Toulouse are obviously, I wouldn't say we're, they're, they're walking away with the top 14, but they're leading the top 14. I think they've had 14... 14 wins and the three points ahead of La Rochelle. Like, it's going to be a very big ask for Munster to try and lift themselves up. But we'll see how good a team they are if they can regroup and regather and, um, you know, come out fighting again. Or do they just curl up in a little ball and die after the defeat last weekend? Well, I don't know that they'll come out swinging. And they'll come out swinging hard uh, because that's, that's what they do. I mean, say say what you like about Munster, but you know, you can't call them you know Craven. Um, they will come out hard against Toulouse, and if Toulouse aren't on it, they'll lose. But if Toulouse are on it, Munster will lose. So yeah, and, and it's funny like what you to you were saying about the away fixtures and that. Like sometimes, particularly if Munster aren't particularly good side. The whole twenty six thousand people in Thomond going nuts covers the multitude. It does, and it you know they don't have that now to rely on to help them to dig them out of the corner when they need it, you know. And just kind of wonder if that'll be if that'll be a factor tomorrow or Saturday, um, that they can't rely on that sixteen man as such. I mean that's 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 that's, that's a question for I mean Munster are a team almost French like in their in their resoluteness at home 
um, and you take that away from them. And it, I mean, we've seen it this year. We've seen that Munster don't look the same side in Thoman Park without the supporters there that they do with the supporters there. It can be said for any team, but in, in particular a team that trades on that as much as Munster do, it's a big loss. Yeah. Um, just a couple of other fixtures just jumping out. I mean, one is, I suppose, just because of O'Gara. Just, I mean, it'd be interesting to see La Rochelle, how they get on against Gloucester. Gloucester, mid-table English club, but La Rochelle, second in their league. And, you know, O'Gara's kind of spoken about how important, and obviously we know how important the Heineken Cup is to him personally, but we'll see if he can translate that into, you know, if he can, say, a team that could be challenging for the Bouclier, whether or not they're going to throw some eggs into the basket of, of Europe as well, if they have the budget to do it. Gloucester are very good, but one thing, they are, one thing they are good at is going over to, certainly more in the Challenge Cup than the Champions Cup, but certainly going over to... to um, France and upsetting the Apocart. They have a lot of wins in France. If you look back over the last... Is that you know, match not in Gloucester, no? Kingsholm. Oh, it's in Kingsholm. Oh, well, then. Gloucester will win. You reckon? Yeah. Um, a big one that's going to be going to mean a bit to us if uh, if we beat Toulon <laughs> Exeter <laughs> Leon, yeah. Um, Exeter is second in the, in the Gallagher Premiership. They've won 10 out of 15. They're not not having a stellar season, like they've lost a third of their games, um, but they're obviously still a very strong side. Um, oh, yeah. Much as I'd love it not to be Exeter, it will be Exeter, and it'll be Exeter handily. Yeah, it's in Sandy Park as well, so... If you look at uh, who's won the Heineken Cup most recently, uh, since... <laughs> since Well, obviously Exeter, yeah, but since since... 2013. The only teams that have won the Heineken Cup, forget Saracens because they're not in the in the European Cup this year, are Toulon and Exeter and us. That's it. And we're all facing into the same quarter final. So you know what I mean? There's only gonna be It's the battle of the titles. Yeah, well there's a, there's only gonna be one of us, Toulon or Exeter in the semifinals. That's kind of a bit of a loss to the competition. Mm. Like you'll have to go back to the Munster uh, Toulouse semi-final, where the 2010 champions against the two. It'll, it'll be an awful shocker if the semi-final ends up in Lyon against Toulon. Won't it? <laughs> it would. What but do you think of this round of 16, lads? Like, there's talk that they might have stumbled upon a pretty interesting um, format. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Dinosaur poo is interesting. It's still poo. Um, it, I mean, it is. Uh, why, why, why not have a round of 16 after a proper group stage? Mm. Instead but, of, you know, yeah. do like, you not think there's a lot of dead rubbers in the games that there's, you know, you get to a point where the bottom team just gives up and then it's like, oh, well, that's a, that's a five pointer for us because we're playing a French club. Uh, in, our sixth, in our sixth round game and they don't bother turning up in the RDS. Uh, uh, on the other hand, how many times have we, have we got into the last day of European competition with spreadsheets, calculators, supercomputers, trying to work out the constantly changing qualifiers as game after game after game sw uh, swings to and fro, just mm. as often as it's been dead rubbers, Jay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. I, we, I think. I think it, it just makes. Don's it made a career out of this, out of predicting or out of uh, plotting courses through the final, True. the final days uh, games. Yeah, the quickening, John, isn't that quickening? Yeah, that's it. No, I. I'm nothing against around the sixteen. I just think it need. I, I still think we need a proper group stage. Um, yeah. if, if you go too soon to the round of sixteen. No, agreed. 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 And if also, they. Had, the, the quarterfinal, they were going to do a two-legged quarterfinal, which uh, everything is looking at minimising the amount of rounds and maximising the amount of good matches, if you like. Um, and, and I think the league are going the same way. The league are going to look at, are looking at uh, having 16 teams, but actually less games uh, and probably more knockouts. And, you know, knockouts make money. Knockouts are exciting. Knockouts are good for TV. Not, you know, knockouts. Knockouts, knockouts are a reflection of 
the limited attention span and intellectual capability of the modern generation who can't understand the idea of something that might have depth or nuance. That's another way to put it, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're exciting, is the other side of it. Mm. Uh, and look, you know, we're, we're trying to appeal to get more people to watch this bloody thing, so, you know. I guarantee in 10 years' time, if we go to a knockout format, people will be going, we need to go back to a league format because, you know, it's very unfortunate that one team might have an off day and then they're out and all of a sudden... Blah, 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 blah. We need to have a backdoor day to be laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have the qualifiers. I mean, they may as well just adopt the All-Ireland Senior Championship model now. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? I mean, I... I who knows? Look, maybe the CVC thing is also a driver that they want to get more bang for buck and big games and be able to promote it. And anyway, look, it is what it is for this year, and who knows what they'll do next I mean, year. This this year, it's it's fair enough because it's you know almost anything is fair enough in these circumstances. Yeah. When things are back to normal, quite different. Yeah. So um, just the just the other two Irish teams there obviously playing in the in the Challenge Cup. Um, Connacht have to travel over to the Tigers. I see that um, a couple of the the Connacht coaching staff are are going to be changed. I was surprised because some of them are household names like Jimmy Duffy and Nigel Carlin are yeah. in there. Part of the furniture. We'll probably going back to Eric Elwood's era. And they're big <laughs> and, and significant coaches in, within the Irish coaching uh, mm. uh, scenario. Those those are, those have been important guys. So, really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, I think he's bringing in he's bringing in like a, an external coach for the forwards, and he's promoting Ma, Massey Lawler, the old uh, monster oh, yeah. winger. You think he <coughs> player development or something like that? He's been promoted up. So obviously. I mean, as you say, they've been there since Eric Elwood's day. Mm. So maybe there's nothing wrong with getting in a fresh voice and fresh <clears> ideas <throat> from outside the kind of, if you like, kind of gene pool. I mean, like we've seen it going back, you know, kind of to the change in sports, but you saw what United did with Alex Ferguson. He, he kept his coaching staff refreshed. Yeah. refreshed yeah. He, he, he remained at the figurehead, but he kind of, brought in new voices every so often to kind of freshen it up. Um, the other bit of news, I suppose, is that Marseille is no longer going to host the final this year. Like, surprise, surprise. But, um, like, they've just kind of pushed it down the road to Marseille 22 and Tottenham Hotspur's ground in 23. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's just a matter of, um, you know, that they can't really pick a final until they know who's going to be in the final. They don't know yeah. what countries are going to be in the final and they don't know what the restrictions are going to be for those countries for who's in the final. So, Yeah, we could end up playing in England because they've opened up. Uh, or we well, could end up not being allowed to play in England because they've opened up. I I'm, uh, I'm, I called it the other day, Tiaz. We're going to have uh, Leinster versus Toulouse for, for the five stars, whoever wins it uh, in the Aviva Stadium. There you go. That's what I want. That's so you've obviously, it's not so much a prediction. You've nailed your, you've yeah, nailed your colours yeah, you've nailed to the, the colors master. Now, John. Yep, sorry. And uh, Challenge Cup, John, Cardiff. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, it's not a bad bet normally. Mm, yeah, twice? Yeah. God bless them. <clears throat> anyway. Very good. Just quick prediction the weekend, boys, just for our game. Anyway, in all seriousness. Answer by twelve. I, I would say it's hard to disagree with that, but we're either going to uh, lose lose three players to uh, to sin bins, red cards, and blood bin, and 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 you know bruises and cuts, uh, and fall at the last hurdle, or. We're gonna go mental and run around them like be Jesus, and you know, fifteen spread will be will be in danger. Uh, or something like a more normal match will happen, and we will win by about twelve. <laughs> well, that's your. Well, I, I'm doing. A I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand what Bucky's saying and gambling. My 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 family background is in Cavan, and we don't go near Bucky's. Well, I'm doing a man of the match thing where I say this could happen, that could happen, but what I'm actually predicting is. <laughs> About 12 to 15 points for Leicester. 
That sounds good. How are you, boys? Uh, no, 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 Jason. Oh, you have to oh, make go on, sorry, sorry, Dave. Yeah. Get down off that fence. Come on, Jason. Um, well, until I saw their team, I was a bit more bullish. And I'm just going to say there's only a, uh, one score in it. So I think we're going to win by five to seven. There you have it. I'll do. I don't care. One will do. Exactly. exactly. There's no, no bonus points. Yeah, no, no points. Yeah, if we win by one, I'd be as happy as Larry. Whoever Larry is. Anyway, boys, as ever, thanks a million. Thanks very much for watching. If you are following us on Facebook, Twitter, or um, YouTube, and Tinder. <laughs> um, please give us a like, subscription, and thumbs up. Thanks a million. Cheers. Or swipe right. <laughs>